Good evening, everybody. It is great to be here with you to worship and now to study uh, God's Word together. We're going to be studying in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 through 21, if you'll turn with me there. I don't know if Terry thought he was funny giving me this section on the home and how wives are to treat their husbands, husbands treat their wives and how to parent, but uh, he gave me a good challenge that I think I learned a lot from, so thank you for that, and um, now you have to deal with it. <clears throat> So we're going to go ahead and read those verses to begin. Beginning in verse 17 of Colossians chapter 3, it says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. <clears throat> okay, so this is our uh, the landscape of what we're going to cover tonight. Now let's go back up to the first verse. I love how this starts out. He says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So this gives us a good starting point for everything we're going to look at. Everything he's going to say is based on the, the premise of what he just said. It, it makes everything else he's, he says okay. Because this is on Jesus' authority, and everything we do, this is supposed to cover every area of our lives. Because it's not something we take our godliness, and we're godly in, in, in one section, and we go about our work, or we navigate our relationships in another area of our life. These areas of our lives are where we, where we ignite godliness. They're the mediums through which we in, involve godliness in our lives. And that's he says that everything we do is in the name of our Lord Jesus. So... That first question says, what is meant by the phrase, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus? So it's not saying that we need to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus by speaking those words. I uh, go to school today. I go to work today in the name of the Lord Jesus, and we have to say those words. That's not what it's saying. What that word, that phrase in the name of the Lord Jesus is, is it's acting knowing that that's who we're acting on behalf of. He says in word or in deed. If that's who we're, we're speaking on behalf of, that is who we're operating on behalf of in, this, in, in our life. And that's hard to focus on all the time. <clears throat> when we realize how big of a deal that is, it's kind of overwhelming. I'm the one who's speaking for God on earth. I'm the one who is supposed to show people what Christ is like. And that's a big thought. But that's what uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says. It tells us that we are Christ's ambassadors on earth. An ambassador is somebody who who leaves a country on behalf of the country and goes and speaks to another country and their representatives. It's a representative for, for the country you're a part of. So our U.S. ambassador may meet, with a rep, may meet with an ambassador of China, and they discuss operations, they discuss relationships from each side. And that's what we are for God. We are a representative for God. We are acting on behalf of God here in everything we do. And he said here that this is to cover anything we say, and anything we do. And you know, it's, it would be kind of silly if you had an ambassador who just sat around and did nothing. He just sat with his feet up all day and didn't go make any interactions. Who, if you had a, you know, someone else, maybe their, their assignment was a CIA agent. If they just sat around and did nothing. If we have a position, we need to stand up to our position. It's not like we can shirk away from this and say, I know that's, that's great for some people, but I just don't want to be that. We're called to be ambassadors because no one else is going to do it. And it's important that we do it well because 
Because it's not like Christ is going to be here picking up our pieces all the time and physically. If I go about my, my daily life, Christ isn't standing there talking to everyone else going, okay, he was a jerk today, he was not very kind to you, and he didn't do what he should have been doing, and he didn't help you guys like he should have. But that's not what a Christian's really like. A Christian shouldn't be like that. A Christ-like person is someone like this. Jesus isn't there to pick up our pieces all the time. It is our job to be Christ's representative in the way we live. And that concept of doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus is something that should govern everything we talk about going on from here. So carrying the name is, to summarize, it is the realization, the perspective, and the purpose of working for him and for his glory. So moving on to the next verse. Verse 18, the second half of verse 17 says, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So that's something we do with thankfulness. It's, it's something we don't want to shirk away from, shy away from. It's the chance that we get to be a part of this. We get to be an ambassador of Christ. We get to have that license, if you will. What if God said, you know what? You messed up, so you can never be a part of my team. You can never be a part of what I'm going to do on this earth. You know, that'd be disappointing. We'd be on the outside looking in. But God tells us that you get to be a part of my team. You get to act as my ambassador. And you need to give thanks to God the Father through him and everything you do. It's an attitude of thankfulness. Even though it's a heavy thing, we accept it, and we're going to be doing everything we do with a thankfulness toward God. Okay, so verse 18 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So what we just said, everything we do needs to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, uh, so starting off in for wives, wives need to act toward their husbands in, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's remember that. So we're acting on... The wives are to act on the name of the Lord Jesus in the way they, they act. And how are, you, how are women supposed to act toward their husbands? To submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So the first part I want to notice on that is the, uh, the own, the word own right there. He could have said, wives submit to men, blanket statement. But I think it's important here, and what he says is that he says, submit to your own husbands. Women are not... A, a, an inferior being. There is a headship Christ established, God the Father, Christ, man, and God. That's just the order of things that God set it up in. But it doesn't mean the women or the wives are in any lower position, less of a, any position of uh, lesser value. And it's important to notice that he says to submit to your own husbands. This isn't that uh, there's a direct commandment to submit to any man in any situation. So I think that's an important note as we move forward. But the, the overall command that's given here is to submit. Now this is first something I want to focus as a universal concept because uh, we are told as Christians to be submissive as a whole. That's a command throughout scripture. And I think that is the biggest, most, the most impactful way we can show Christ to others in general. That is what Christ did. He took his will and he put it aside and he came down here. Everything you see in Christ's life was a, this is what I might want, but I'm going to set that aside and I'm going to do this. I'm going to set aside everything that's perfect up in your, here in heaven, however it is. I'm going to set it aside and go to my people. I'm going to set aside what I want over and over. And so Christ's attitude that he set for us was one of submission. And so instead of looking at, like many people look at that as a negative thing, this submissive attitude, it's not. It is a position of strength. It is, I have this power, but I'm going to release it. 
It's kind of like gentleness. I've heard gentleness described as strength controlled. Like, like I have the ability to do one thing, but I'm going to give, I'm going to carefully control myself and handle this and give you the, the upper hand or whatever it might be. Um, so this concept of submission is discussed in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 through 23. And there it says, submitting to one, to one another in the fear of God. That is a commandment for everyone to submit to one another. So this is primarily a, a, an instruction to be submissive to all Christians. Now, I think both for this command uh, toward the women to, be, to submit to your own husbands and the, the command that's going to follow for the husbands to love your wives, those are both, uh, those are both commands for all Christians uh, to love your wives and to not be bitter. Those are the love to not be bitter and submissiveness is something we're all commanded to do anyway. But I think these two are pointed out specifically for one for the man and one for the woman because maybe there are areas that we commonly fail in. That one of the areas we falter first in is maybe the husbands uh, don't love their wives if they feel a certain way and they turn bitter. That's a, maybe that's a first reaction. Maybe the wives' first reaction for many is when their husband's not acting well to, I'm not going to submit to that. But So this, these are ways that uh, God is pointing out, perhaps, that there are key areas we need to focus on in, if we're in one of these roles as a husband or a wife. In Philippians 2, verse 3, we're told to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility to count others more, more significant than ourselves, to look to the, to the needs of others as more important than our own. And I think as, we, as the question asks, well, how does a wife submit to her own husband, it's important to notice these concepts as a whole to know how this can be uh, implemented in a, in a wife's life. Is that they are, you, we are to look at someone else's needs above our own. And a wife can do that by looking out for the needs of her husband and taking care of those. And uh, in many different ways, in companionship and strength and encouragement, support, anything you might uh, throw in there. It is, it is something that the wife should be looking for and submitting to sometimes take what she wants and set it aside and do what might be best for her husband. Um, that how the question is to how does a wife submit to her husband, I think is important to note that it says, as is fitting in the Lord. That you don't just submit to anything if you're a wife. You submit to things that are proper in the Lord first, things that are okay, uh, that God wants us to do first. And from there, it is, I guess it's a discretionary command is what can I do for him in this situation? What can I do for him in this situation? So it's a situational thing, uh, is how to best uh, submit to her own husband and taking care of him and helping him. And I think this is also addressed in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in uh, verse 1 there. It says that wives are to submit. I'm going to turn over there real quick. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. So what he just said there is that if you have an unbelieving husband, even if he might not uh, believe the word of God alone, maybe because of your actions, your submissive attitude, your, your godliness, you can change him. And I think that is a critical part of everything we've discussed here is the power of a submissive, uh, we'll have it your way, attitude and changing hearts. For both the woman and for all of us to have a submissive attitude. 
I don't know one thing that can turn someone's head faster as when they expect you to do one thing in a selfish way and to act in their own interest, and you say, no, here, we'll do it your way. I know I wanted this, and it's obvious maybe by the situation, but no, we're going to do it your way. I'm going to sacrifice on my behalf to, get, to let you have the upper hand somehow. And that is a beautiful thing because people are going to say, wait, what? Well, they're going to have a, a double take. What do you mean you're going to give up something for me? I, I know you wanted that. No, you can have it. That, that's for you. We're going to do it your way. And so as a whole, this is an attitude I think we can all learn from. Going on to verse 19, it says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. So this instruction for the husbands is to not be bitter. Uh, some of these things I'm not going to have a whole lot to say on because uh, I will maybe leave it for the older men or, or someone else to fill in these gaps because uh, I don't have a whole lot of advice on. But one of the things, uh, as I was thinking about these things, why can a husband get bitter toward his wife? And... Uh, Typically, bitterness comes from, it seems like, from a place of an expectation that was not met. For example, if you had a friend who was supposed to be a good friend to you, that you guys had been close friends for a long time, and they uh, betrayed you, or they uh, went, you know, they did something contrary to you, and they kind of left you high and dry, that creates a certain feeling of bitterness that, that you don't feel from anyone else. People can make you angry on the side of the road. People can make you angry. You're going about your daily business. They can make you frustrated. But bitterness comes from something that's deep-seated, and you're, you're angry about because they should have done better for you. And I think as, as many men approach relationships, husbands approach relationships, they see, they see this wife when you know, maybe the first together is this, this, this perfect being that can't do any wrong. And they're just so overwhelmed with how great they are. And then there's a point where they realize, hey, they're human. But for, for someone who felt like this woman is everything that I'll ever need in my life to make me happy in any way, that's a big drop-off for them to feel like, wow, this person failed me. This, you know, my wife failed me in this. And so maybe that's where the bitterness comes in, where his expectations for her were so high that when she didn't meet those expectations, he got bitter because she should have been something else for him. Uh, that's just some thoughts I have. Maybe that's why. Um, but I think that speaks to the need for husbands to have wise expectations. I guess I'm pointing fingers at myself as I'm the one who's kind of stepping on deck to this. But to have wise expectations that, that yes, you, you want to choose a godly wife and you want to choose someone who's going to be best for you. But there's a point where she is human as well. And she won't be God. She's not going to be perfect. And, and, if, and if she does fail, that's just because she's a lot like you. She's a lot like any of us. So to have wise uh, expectations for marriage and for a spouse or for anyone in our lives, I think it will be helpful in uh, fostering good relationships. But the message to the men is to love the wife, to show them light, to show them love. And in another scripture, it says to bear with them in understanding and to dwell with them in understanding. So to really get to know them, because that'll help to not have... Uh, and ridiculous estimations for them, they're not going to be God. Let's, let's get to know them how they are. Let's get to know them in the different ways that uh, will help us interact better. So to dwell with them in understanding instead of being bitter and to love. That's the instruction.
going on in verse 20. It says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So the instruction to children is to obey. And it's funny, I had, uh, when Cole was younger, he had to write, like, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with promise. Cole got in trouble for doing something that he shouldn't have done. I think he, he you know, my parents knew he was going to do something, but he, and he told me he wouldn't, but he did it anyway. Whatever went out and did something. And he had to write, like, 150 times that whole scripture out. And I just remember pages and pages of that. Um, but the beautiful thing with this scripture is it's, it's something a child can do to glorify God. You know, we can wonder, how can I really make God happy? How can I make God feel something? That's, that's a fascinating thought. And for a child, for someone who's underneath a parent, underneath their roof, it's as simple as doing what they say. And it doesn't feel like that's a big deal, but God says it makes him happy. And that's all we need to know, I think, to, to really soak in that awareness that it's that simple and I can do that today and I, I can access God in that way. I can get to God in a way that will make him happy by... Uh, by obeying my parents. Because, for, because God sets up parents as kind of the first authority figure in our lives to where we learn authority. We learn, we learn how to ultimately handle God by the way uh, we handle our parents, by the way we submit to our parents, by the way we obey them and show respect to them. And so uh, it is important that we take that picture God has set up as God the Father and learn how to interact with that presence with our earthly fathers and our earthly mothers. And there's another scripture we're told in, in Ephesians 6, verse 2. It says to honor them. We're told to children, honor your parents. And, and the best way to do that, regardless of whether they are in the Lord or whether they're not, is to obey them. Because honoring them, obeying them shows them honor. Now, as this question states, is it ever permissible for a child to disobey his parents? And this is where the Ephesians 6, verse 1 and 2 comes in is, yes, I believe so, if, if that parent is asking the child to do something that is contrary to what God wants. God is always the primary head in our life. He's the primary figure of authority. And so uh, while a parent may be the, the head of the child, the primary authority is God. Now, um, in the situation that you have a, 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 a parent wanting a child to do something contrary to God's will, the child is still honoring the parent by doing what God wants. Even if they're not obeying the parent because of the wrong instruction they're getting, they're still honoring their parent. Because as, uh, as their parent, it is their job to prepare them for God. And so if that child will obey God first, that is an honor to the parents in reality. Whether the parent is godly and realizes it, or whether the parent is ungodly and doesn't realize it, the highest honor that can be given is to first obey God. I don't know if I made that clear, but uh, we can honor our parents in all things regardless of whether uh, their instruction is wise or unwise. Verse 21, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Uh, as, as I was talking to Frank about this, he said that his favorite description of it is to exasperate. Don't exasperate your kids. Don't harp on them in a way that that kind of beats them down, that, that bludgers them. It doesn't, it doesn't help them grow because as a parent, the, the job of the parent is to 
nurture and to raise up a child, to build them up, and not to take hits at them, uh, not to take body shots that hopefully make them stronger. It's to build them up. And one of the things he, he said is that parents shouldn't say something to a child that they can't respond to, like name-calling or, or bludgering comments that really don't, the child's like, what do I say to that? How do I respond? I can't like improve with, with ridiculing comments. I can't be better um, with, with degrading comments. So I guess the words he suggested were to give words that children can respond to and obey and improve upon. And this, this instruction was given, as I understand, as he was telling me, from a culture where the parents had authority to do really too much. They had the authority to even uh, give or take the child's life. And so uh, they, they had to be reined in. They had to learn to wield that power and that control with, with a godly attitude <clears throat> instead of a domineering one. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by The Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.